Welcome to the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. I'm Spencer Toon. I'm Keith McGuffey. And I'm still Mike Templeton. To this day. To this you know, I I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. That's good. That is good. I like that. <laughs> it works but, out for me, I think. Yeah. It works out for the world. Yeah, so this week we're... <laughs> we're gonna, <laughs> it's, it's hard to transition out of that, I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't Spencer, know how to what are we doing this week? <laughs> Why, thank you for asking, Keith. Yeah, uh, yeah. This week we are continuing the 1987 series. Uh, so we're back into the European season, or I guess continuing with it. That's going to be episodes 7, 8, and 9 of season 7, which isn't actually season 7, it's actually a continuation. Yes, per, per our contract with Jason of the Turtle Recall podcast, we have to say that this is not the official season seven. This is part of the European vacation mini season, which uh, is technically part of season four and five. However, we cover it as part of season seven because that is when it aired in the United States. Yep. So we're watching The Irish Jig is Up, Shredder's New Sword, and The Lost Queen of Atlantis. And I feel like I said this last week, but three, what we can describe as episodes of 1987 TMNT. Yes, yes. definitely <laughs> episodes. Um, yeah. it's, these were pretty weird, and uh, we're definitely going to get, get into it. Uh, I think my episode is the first at one. So let me tell you a story. The Ancient One did tell me a story I think you guys would want to hear about Master Splinter's master, Hamato Yoshi. Well, let's hear it. All right. The Irish Jig is up. Uh, episode EU7, original air date in, uh, in the good old US of A, October 9th, 1993, written by John Fox and story by Carol Mendelson. The Turtles, April and Splinter, journey to Dublin, capital of the Republic of Ireland. Splinter takes them on a tour of a local park and educates them on the legends of St. Patrick. Back in Dimension X, Krang reveals that he's scheming to drive the humans out of Ireland, which he plans to do with his Rainbow Trans Charmer, which transforms innocuous animals into monsters. Once the humans have left, he and Shredder will take the entire island for themselves. After they arrive in a sheep pasture, they begin transforming the sheep into ravenous beasts. The Turtles and April arrive at the rundown McGillicuddy Castle, where they will be staying for the next few days. April is busy taping a segment for the news when the sheep stampede toward her and drive her towards a cliff. She falls off and is barely rescued by Michelangelo before the rest of the turtles tackle the vicious transformed sheep. They end up encountering Shredder and his mutants, and Rocksteady and Bebop discover what happens when a mutant is exposed to the Transformer. They shrink and become more friendly and childlike. So Shredder heads to a nearby zoo and begins transforming chickens into bunnies into vicious beasts, which causes max panic amongst the people there. The turtles then track him down and narrowly avoid being hit by the ray, which instead transforms a giant vicious rabbit back into a cuddly pet. When the turtles return to the castle, Shredder opens a portal to send the entire structure to Dimension X with them inside of it. Giant tentacles emerge from the sky and begin pulling the castle from the ground, and when Michelangelo tries to escape, he's hit by the trans charmer, which makes him much larger than usual. He easily gets rid of Shredder and begins pulling the castle back down to Earth, which causes Krang's equipment to overload. 
With the castle restored, the turtles corner Shredder, and one of the sky tentacles drags him and Bebop and Rocksteady back into the portal before it closes. Krang berates them for his latest failure and all the damages that it's caused, and it's irritated by Bebop and Rocksteady because they are still in their cute and cuddly forms. Back in Ireland, Donatello gets the Transformer working and turns Michelangelo back to normal. The end. Old storytelling. Next up, we have Shredder's New Sword. Season 7, Episode 8, originally aired in the U.S. on October 9th, 1993, written by Francis Moss and Ted Peterson. So the Turtles are in London, learning about the myth of King Arthur. April and Irma are also there, doing a story on the crown jewels. Krang has also detected a large deposit of the supermetal Doridium, and he's tracked it to King Arthur's castle. Turns out it's the mythical sword Excalibur. Shredder steals the sword and goes to steal the crown jewels. The turtles intervene, but Shredder is able to get away after using the power of the sword to bring to life some stone lions. Luckily, Merlin shows up out of nowhere and saves the turtles. The turtles head back to the museum and meet up with Merlin, who has been in a deep slumber for almost 2,000 years. Meanwhile, Shredder's use of the sword is messing up the time stream. People from ancient London are showing up in the streets. Shredder's all set to be the king, but decides that every king needs a queen and abducts April, April and Irma. The turtles deduce that he must be at the London Tower since it's the king's residence and go to stop him. Shredder summons two giant suits of armor to deal with the turtles. They tie them up and strap them to rocks, then beat up and Rocksteady push the turtles and Merlin into the river. Luckily, there's a sunken ship in the water. Leo's able to use some of the debris to cut his ropes and save all the turtles. They make their way to King Arthur's castle to retrieve Merlin's spellbook, but Shredder is already there and in the process of stealing it. Suddenly, King Arthur and Queen Gwendolyn show up. Arthur says that Shredder has no claim to Excalibur and challenges him to a contest of champions. Bebop and Rocksteady are Shredder's champions, and Arthur's using the turtles as his champions. Bebop and Donatello duel with maces on a log suspended over a moat. Donatello is able to win after launching an alligator at Bebop. <laughs> Excuse me. Michelangelo and Rocksteady joust using shields as surfboards in the nearby ocean, with Michelangelo winning. Shredder tries one last time to destroy Arthur and the turtles, but Leo sword fights Shredder before Raph is able to disarm him with his sigh. With Excalibur back in hand, Arthur sends the bad guys blasting off to Dimension X again. He then knights the turtles, and everything goes back to normal. The end. I thought you were dropping a sick beat in there in the middle there. Uh, yeah, it's still uh, something went down the wrong pipe there. Well, yeah. nonetheless, bold storytelling. Which brings us to my episode number nine, The Lost Queen of Atlantis. This episode was released October 16th of 1993. Written by Michael Edens. The turtles are in Greece visiting its ruins. They end up stumbling upon an ancient statue of the Queen of Atlantis. She looks just like April. Speaking of, April is in Greece with the news crew. And while shopping, a merchant offers her a necklace with an amulet. Almost instantly, she starts demonstrating a new and more authoritative personality that switches on and off. We learn that the merchant gave her the pendant to have his queen return, and the queen of all the people of Atlantis, of course. In Dimension X, Krang discovers a power spike 
that should be more than enough energy to get the Technodrome running. Shredder and his mutants leave to go find it. Right as the Turtles find April to tell her about the statue, Shredder shows up to take the amulet. He is stopped by the Atlanteans, who plan on using the amulet to turn April into their queen and make Atlantis rise again. The Shredder and the Atlanteans are chased off, April points out the merchant from earlier, and the Turtles chase him into a bunch of traps that they must escape. April receives a premonition that there is going to be a big story at the Acropolis, so she and her crew go there. They are immediately captured by the Atlanteans. April is possessed by the amulet, and Irma and Vernon are tied up. Both Shredder and the Turtles show up, so April turns some Pegasus statues into real-life ones, and her and the Atlanteans escape to the sea on them. The Turtles and Shredder give chase. By the time they arrive, April is raising Atlantis from the depths, along with a giant octopus clinging to it that attacks them. Dawn get Dawn gets to the amulet and chucks it so that it shatters. Atlantis returns to the deep, April reverts back to herself, and Shredder leaves empty-handed. The end. Amazing. Yeah, you know, like we said at the top, three episodes of the 87th. Three definite episodes. So let's second time around these puppies. Hey, uh, nice junk. It really is amazing, like, how much these episodes, like, I feel like just truly encapsulate the 87 series and kind of what it generally is, though. You know? But, like, these these three definitely felt a little different than the last ones. Um, yeah, these have been better than most of the European season episodes, in my opinion. A and little I th- bit more focused. I, well, I think the reason why, and I, I didn't know if this was an anchovy or not, um, all three of these episodes don't really feel educational other than being set in like these places. Like the Irish jig is up is like it, it takes place in Ireland, but there's nothing Irish about this episode other than yeah. like the little St. Patrick lesson at the beginning, the turtles like are in London and they immediately meet Merlin and King Arthur. Yeah. And then they go to Greece and we get like, a line about Greece being the mother, like sci- scientific language, and then immediately Atlantis. Yeah, no, I mean, def- I know that after I finished watching the Irish episode, my wife was there and she was like, that was the best they could do for Ireland. <laughs> and well, I, I also thought it was kind of funny that like, uh, they had an episode set in Dublin, but did not have the Dublin animation team do do this episode. That, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was I thought that was kind of funny. Weird. That is pretty funny. Uh, one one little detail I noticed in uh, the Irish jig is up is that it's canon now that on the scale of size and cuteness, the turtles are officially small and cute because Michelangelo got bigger. There and, you go. You know, more and stronger therefore the turtles are small and cute otherwise he would have turned tiny and uh i don't know i guess they they would stay cute i'm i'm not really sure how this ray works but it, it, it's yeah, well it's, it's, best, it's best not to think about how this ray works <laughs> yeah i've got a headache i tried too hard <laughs> uh this is john fox's only episode but he managed to write in Rocksteady using his sword in this episode. He uses it to cut 
like cut a rope towards the end. Technically, it's, like it's his club. Is it? It's I, Rocksteady. He uses a sword. I know they've they've called it a club a couple times too. I think they even call it a club in this episode. I feel like it's like only one of three instances where he's used it. Like I feel like that's how many there's been. Yeah, like he doesn't use it very often, and it's always like uh, colored like a piece of wood. Yeah, but it did make a metal clang that one time. I, that is true. So, like I said, it's all kind of all over the place. Um, I just want to know why, like why it is that way, because you've got Leo like pulling out katanas, like it can't be a censorship thing, right? Or could it? You know, I, think, <laughs> I don't. I, know. Well, I, I so I think that's it right there is because Leo is using swords, whereas, mm-hmm. uh, whereas like, uh, which aren't really something that every kid has access to. Whereas like Raphael or Rocksteady would be using a knife, which every kid has access to in their kitchen. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, it's, it's kind of like the old, the, the nunchuck thing where it's like, you know, that's really just two sticks and a rope, you know? So, you know, it's something that a kid couldn't theoretically make in their home. Like it's, it's a flimsy argument because a bow staff is literally just a broomstick. But and yeah. size are literally just like long knives with extra prongs. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're forks. Yeah. They're forks, basically forks. So it it's it's a flimsy argument. I get it, but I I think that might be it. Is you know because those are specifically you know something a kid can grab out of the kitchen. Yeah, fair enough. That could be it. I don't know. I just I want to know why. Who do we need to talk to? Who's the man in charge? I'm glad that we have three instances of him using this because I always thought he just never used it. And yeah. thrice we've proved it wrong. Three out of so far. I mean, you know, if if he never uses it again, that's three out of 198 episodes. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he doesn't appear in all those episodes, though. So I guess you'd have to also take his yeah. appearances probably into account, but. Nonetheless, it's not a not a very common occurrence. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's it, and I don't really have much for for that for that episode because it, it's like it it other than it like really not feeling like a a, a European vacation episode because it, it it's just a standard plot really. Yeah. All right, Shredder's new sword. So this one, uh, I even tweeted about it, and I told you guys. Uh, it's kind of weird how like the turtles meeting and hanging out with Merlin really feels like something that would have come out of Mirage. Like this, this feels like it could have either been like a tales book or like something that like maybe like Michael Dooney and Jim Lawson would have done. Yeah. I, I could see it very easily as being just like one of their short, uh, like one of the short stories that would appear in those What's the word I'm looking for? Anthology. Anthology books. Yep. Anthology. No, I'm I'm speaking I'm of like speaking of, there is a short of? story in an anthology where Leo pulls Excalibur from a lake. So it's uh, not that far out of uh, it's not that far out. Uh that is a book that I have that I recently found um at my comic book store. Ah, yes, the quest for dreams lost. Yes, that was part of the uh, stalling for time because I can't remember. Literacy volunteers of Chicago. That's right. That is the book right there. there you <laughs> what go. Keith said. Um, it was a special like 
charity book that a bunch of artists had done and that uh, Kevin and Peter did an original short story where Leo found Excalibur. Um, So I am happy that I I found that in the, in my comic book shop. Um, If you're curious, it's reprinted in the sixth volume of the ultimate collections, which is all the short stories. Yeah. yeah. Uh, In fact, I had a a debate with somebody about that. I was like, they're, they're like, well, that story has been reprinted. And I was like, I know the story has been reprinted, but some of these other stories haven't been reprinted. And this book as like a collection piece is kind of rare. So, um, I, I don't know. I just want to point that out. Um, this book or this episode doesn't make a point of it to address it, but, um, the sword in the stone is what gave Arthur, uh, the right to be king of England. Uh, Excalibur was a different sword given to him later by the lady in the lake. Oh, so shredder uh, getting Excalibur would not have made him king of England. And it did not. And it, I mean, it technically didn't, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but he was just, he was just wrong on that car on that account. Uh, so I just want I just wanted to point that out. Uh, Cause I was like, Hey, that is something I know. And I don't have to look that up. <laughs> there you go. He goes so hard on the notion of being the king of England. I like King Shredder. <laughs> I like I like the attitude change that he does. I think it's stupid and very funny. It, it feels like like a child got Excalibur and was just like, "I am king now." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, way back, way way back, season one, episode one. Splinter says that no sword on earth can withstand Raphael's sigh. And to this point, no sword on earth has been able to, including the legendary sword Excalibur. Is oh, Raphael yeah. just that good? I it would seem so. Or or is it the sigh? Ooh, think, that's a good I think question. Splinter enchanted the sigh, you know. Right. Using some some technique with a vaguely racist stereotype name. I mean, this is the same guy who, like, wished that mothballs would cure his son's, like, inflated bodies, and it just happened to work, so oh, I, I can see that working, yeah. Oh, it was, it was, it wasn't these three episodes, it was one of the last three I think we did, but Splinter does that thing again where he goes, oh, Sacagawea! Yes. Yeah, yeah. Of all uh, the things yeah. to yell. God, and, and it's not even the first time he's done, he's yelled that. Oh, it's so, ugh. Yeah, oh, it gives me the ick. That's what I'm saying. Is there's got to be some sort of joke. Sounds Japanese, but you know it's not. You know, to to an American that doesn't know Japanese, Sakajuia does not sound Japanese. I don't care how yeah. much but of as, a fake accent you try to do. As a six year old, it might. Right. That, that, that's the thing. Is I'm saying like, <sighs> uh, it, like you yeah. know, it's not. It's a joke, but also at the same time, as someone that you know, it's all Greek to me because you don't know, you know, a foreign language. It's like I mean, I that's know. fair. Ooh. You know, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not advocating for it. I'm just no, saying. I know. I know. I'm not saying you are. I'm, I yeah. just, it just still gives me the ick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we're good to move on. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. the lost, lost queen. Of Greek, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Greek, speaking of Greek, nothing Greek in this episode. Cause whew, it shifts gears real quick. Yeah. Atlantis is my favorite European country, as I've said before. So also <laughs> how many plots have we had? Where April's had a doppelganger and like something has looked just like April. Well, two like, this week. There was, there was the Prince yeah. and the Popper one from forever ago, April Fool. 
Mm-hmm. It was Lady Guinevere in uh, Shredder's yeah. New Sword. Like that's why this week fresh on my mind. Yeah, um, like twice April. We're not even in anchovies yet. <laughs> We're just pointing this out. Um, yeah. That like late April looks like two fake historical figures. So it's like they're not they're not even real. So it's like of course April can look like that. I, I don't know. The Queen of uh, I mean the Queen of Atlantis was reincarnated as Guinevere, and Guinevere was reincarnated as a news reporter for Channel Six. There you go. You know it all checks the, out. That's the best head canon I've ever heard. Boom, solved it. Either that or April's doppelganger is the reincarnated Guinevere and uh you know the the princess that she swapped places with. <laughs> She's the reincarnated one and April just happens to look like them. <laughs> it all checks out. Uh speaking of things happening consecutive times in episodes, and this is a hundred percent an anchovy bill. Mention it now since we're talking about it. Yeah, another statues coming to life episode. And we've had two this week. We've had three in the last four episodes. It's a weird trend. I think it's because people go to Europe to see sculptures and statues and art. And so since they're like there in Europe, they're like, what's oh, like a European thing we can add to this episode? Uh, statues. Yeah, we'll just have some come to life. It'll be super cool. <laughs> yeah, it seems to be what they're doing. <laughs> you know, you, you tour Rome, you tour Greece, like you're expecting to go see some like sculptures from from those time periods makes perfect would, sense to me i would love to see the like the series bible for this series that's like you know things to use things to not use i'm sure it's just full of like you know bad pizza references uh phantoms of the operas statues coming to life uh april looks like some historical figure you know just all these tropes that we've seen over and over <laughs> Well, then with that, I think I think we are good at just getting to anchovies. Then. Let's go. Nobody likes anchovies. So the so, Irish jig is up. What? Why did Shredder and Krang want to rule Ireland? I don't even remember. Like, it... <laughs> they just did. I, I, would, I tried to listen for it in your summary, Mike, and I was like, I don't, I don't think anyone knows why they're trying I don't, to I don't, rule Ireland. Yeah, I don't remember why they <laughs> wanted to rule Ireland. Um, I did think it was funny that like when they get dragged back into uh, Dimension X, um, and like and Krang complains because like everything overloads and blows up in the Technodrome. Uh, it's the same background from when they were like in the castle, like that wood and stone. Uh huh. Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, I was like, why is there wood in the Technodrome? <laughs> <laughs> Also, like, I mean, also from that scene, though, like, the the other problem I have with that is that, like, the inside of the Technodrome is, like, all blown up, and it's like, how did it blow up? Like, you just ran out of your power? Like, why did Yeah. I don't know, it just seemed, like, overly destroyed, you know? It was like, wow, how are you going to recover this thing from this now? I don't know. It, it, was, it was pretty extra with how, how hard they went on the Technodrome uh, running out of power. But, uh... Earlier on in the episode, they end up caught in an enclosure with a lion, and Michelangelo like ties him to a tree and then runs around the tree. The like the lion is tied off. He he could just run away from the tree, 
and the lion would stay tied off. Like he didn't need to like make it wrap all the way around the tree and get close to the tree. I and they had to like spend so much time to have like a cut scene that faded and came back and everything to dictate a passage of time that he like ran all the way around this tree when he could have just tied it to the tree. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, anyway, it was just I really wasting, wasting time. There's at one point in this episode, they just stop and they're like, Hey guys, want to play a game of catch the hat? And it's like, it's like a 10 second sequence of them just like throwing their hats back and forth. Okay. And so I was like, I was like, is that a thing in it Ireland? Possibly a th- it can't possibly be a thing. Like, they have frisbees, or we, can, we have to call them throwing discs, because frisbees is a trademark term. Um, but, like, they they have other things to toss back and forth. Like, and, and it's so weird, because, like, these hats are, like, part of their disguise. Like, yeah, why even, like, why even bother wearing disguises at this point? Like, I think they just want to wear clothes. I don't think they're. I don't think they're disguised anymore. You might yeah. be right. Irish Irish listeners or anyone that's been to Ireland knows a lot about Ireland. Is toss the hat something they do there? Let us know. Yeah, please. Yeah, we'd love to be wrong. Why? Uh, why, why? Why? Dimension X suddenly have tentacles. And why is it powered by the? Te- why are they I was by the trying. I was trying to figure out like where those came from. I was like, did I miss something? Like I thought it was a cool idea, but I'm like, they didn't explain that there was like some monster in Dimension X or that like yeah. there were cables from the Titanodrome or anything. It just like suddenly for the first time ever, the portal had tentacles. Yeah. Uh what I also thought was funny uh was that we get two giant tentacle monsters in two episodes that's right yeah there's one in the in the atlantis one too yeah so but yeah like there was there was no explanation where this giant tentacle monster from dimension x comes from and it's like i feel like shredder and krang would probably want to use that yeah that's an interesting story well i mean that's the gribbix again but (laughs) (laughs) which i saw earlier today uh someone sculpted uh, a giant Gribbix. Oh, I saw that. I saw it's that huge. Yeah. yeah. Also, Shredder like calls his ray like a rainbow ray, and like it, it's a bow, but there's there's no. Rainbow. It's, it's like, yeah. It's, it's not very. very it's light. not very rainbowy. Uh, it's the rainbow trans charmer. Yeah, the rainbow trans charmer, but like it's it's just a white beam. There's no rainbow in it. You know, no no Roy G Biv going on there. Yeah. And like, why is it a rainbow? Because I because yeah. Ireland because Ireland because Ireland okay because Ireland yeah. and I imagine the writers wrote that they wanted it to look like a rainbow and the animators were like yeah best I can do is white <laughs> and, yeah. and, and and like what's it's even extra for colors. what even what is yeah. it, what's even more weird about it is that like they they joke about leprechauns for like uh. It, it's like in the opening they joke about leprechauns about the turtles being like green men in in ireland but it's like it, because the, all, a lot of these episodes have kind of like fallen into tropes it's like you would think that the ireland episode would go into that like they would see actual little green men but they don't and i think that's frustrating yeah like, like i it definitely would, i, I i'm years. i'm I'm so angry that they didn't go for the low hanging fruit in this, in this episode. Cause it's like, 
I it 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 because it just devolved into a standard episode that it's like you you you're not even using your setting. Yeah, that's one thing I appreciated about the next episode, the Shredder's New Sword. It was like they actually used something from the place that they were. <laughs> yeah. But it, you know, it's still it still definitely had its issues, you know, like uh oh, yeah. how many how many magic powerful swords is is Shredder going to get? You know, this is the third one now. Uh, in this series, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but this is the best one. Uh, yeah, probably Excalibur probably made it the most. I don't know. I I still kind of like the Ninja Sword of Nowhere. Uh, I, I kind of like that dimension cutting sword thing. It's a fun idea. I think maybe just his first sword was so bad that he's just looking for anything else. like. Because remember, he had a sword in season one, but Splinter broke it with his walking stick. That's how crappy it was. So now he's That's just like. True. Any magic sword will do. <laughs> Any sword will do. I think um, I figured out. We didn't mention, but Jim Cummings is still Shredder, and uh, Hal Rayleigh is still Raphael. I figured I, out what I think I don't like about Jim Cummings as Shredder, though, is that he sounds like Nolan North as the Krang in 2012. Like when I hear him talk, it's that same cadence. You know. Well, to be well, to be fair, uh, that would be Nolan North copying copying Jim Cummings. Um, yeah, but I just don't think it fits that well. Well, okay. Well, I mean, spoiler alert, that's something I liked about these episodes. (laughs) Um, but I'll get, I'll get into that later. Um, I just, it's, it's so funny to me that like, they just immediately go into Merlin. (laughs) Oh yeah. He pops up out of nowhere for no reason. Just pops up out of nowhere. Um, and then they find him later and he like was, thought he was asleep or something the whole time and like they have to re-explain everything or explain who he is and yeah like he's just barely beating the turtles and then uh, and then so okay so like krang is looking for derinium uh deridium yeah um and the only known substance of it is like the sword excalibur (laughs) in like the entire world like like even okay, so like Marvel has vibranium, which is pre- pretty much the same thing here. Uh, and it's like Wakanda's not the only place that has vibranium. And even yeah. then, it's like Krang. Okay. Krang was looking for deridium, and like his his uh, computer had already had a picture of Excalibur on it. So it's yeah, like he. Amazing. So it's like he knew at that point, like Excalibur was what he was looking for, but he doesn't mention it. It's not until like Shredder is going through the catacombs and finds like the tomb of King Arthur where he finds out that like the Deridium is Excalibur. Also, yeah. I think he says it's like an impossibly large amount of Deridium, but it's like it's one hand. It's a one handed sword's worth, right? Yeah. <laughs> but my, my even just adding on to that, like my other big issue with it is, is there's been plenty of times where they just find a great weapon they can use to defeat the turtles. They didn't have to do the whole Deridium thing. They literally could have been like, oh, I found like some energy signature of the ancient sword Excalibur. This could defeat the turtles. Go get it. And you don't need to do all this deridium stuff. You don't need to like, it just like, why, why did they want to get this to fuel the Technodrome? Like they literally could have just been like, here's a weapon to defeat the turtles. Go get it. Yeah, exactly. Instead of being like, I want this metal to fuel the Technodrome. Go get it. Shredder finds it. Oh wow, it's a scalibur. I'm king of England. You know, like <laughs> Yeah. 
<laughs> never never circle back to the whole like getting the metal to fuel the exactly it yeah. never circles back to it like it doesn't make a difference so it's like just make it a weapon <laughs> to defeat the turtles and have them go look for it it's yeah anyway I thought yeah. the like the contest of champions at the end was kind of cool, but so Shredder has he has Bebop and Rocksteady, and then he made two giant suits of armor. So he's got like he's got four minions, and then there's four turtles. Why couldn't we have had a four on four free for all instead of just like the two turtles and the the mutants they fight every week? I, I was a little upset with that, but and then they do like the jousting on on surfboards. That was weird. Which is, yeah, it, it like it screams like that surfing contest episode of Batman 66 with Batman and the Joker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, I thought it was funny that like Bebop pulls a gun on Michelangelo and it's like it's a weird like little space zap gun, <laughs> like a gun that we've never seen them use in this show at all, ever. Yeah, it's it's a total like Flash Gordon kind of gun. It's like a, it's like a <laughs> it's Flash like a rocket. It's, yeah. it's like a it's a space age toy zap like pistol. Like it's the it's the zap pistol from um the episode where like Homer's afraid of like gay people. Yeah. That he's yes. like remember zap. like the zap zap. zap. Yep. Um, it's exactly like, it's, that. It's that gun. Uh, <laughs> so it's uh God yeah I just thought that was funny. Stuff. I don't even think that's really an anchovy. It's just something I was like, that's weird. <laughs> it feels like if because because it feels like whoever animated this like kind of forgot certain things. So or yeah. All right, we ready for Lost Queen of Atlantis? Yeah. I just really didn't like this episode at all. <laughs> that's my whole anchovy. Yeah. Like everything yeah. about this episode was terrible. <laughs> They didn't even bother to explain like why the news crew was in Athens this time. Like usually there's a flimsy pretext, but this time they're just like, ah, we're here. Yeah, like they're <laughs> just there. I mean, that's kind of what it just feels like all the time with the news crew, though, with Irma and Vernon. Like like half the time I leave them completely out of my summary because like well, more than half the time because they're always just kind of there. It's like these extra characters that they just kind of have to put somewhere. And, like, at one point, you know, they have them getting sacrificed, but we have no idea why. Like, why Why were they going to be sacrificed? Why were they sacrificing them? Like, they were summoning the city just fine without killing anybody. Like, what else What else did they have in mind? They like, just yeah, we, haven't, we haven't done this in a while. Just, uh, just stab them in the heart. No big deal. Uh, just, uh, what are we going to do with, what are we going to do with Irma and, and Vernon? Oh, uh, well, let's, let's just raise the stakes a little bit. We'll have them say they're going to sacrifice them. <laughs> Just, just using to raise the stakes. I don't know. Like they just weird. Feel, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, that is strange. They just feel like extra baggage, like all the time on this series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. The Channel Six News crew is just this weird group of side characters that are friends of the friend of the turtles. So they end up being in the series, and oftentimes it just feels like they're just there, and they can be like they can have such a they can be in so many parts of an episode and not contribute anything, but they're there. <laughs> I don't know. Cause they're main characters, but like, they're not because they don't really do anything. Like they're, they're just there all the time. <laughs> yeah. Their main know. character is the way Daphne is a main character on Scooby-Doo. <laughs> like she's just there. 
Yeah. Um, let's see. This episode sees Bebop beaten by loaves of bread and the Ninja Turtles defeated by watermelons. Yeah. I did also, not care for that. Also, just take off the amulet. Like, they could have taken it off forever ago, like the first time that the Atlanteans attacked and there were things zapping and she was like, oh, it was the merchant that gave me this amulet. This amulet has problems, obviously. You know, especially since this guy's now running away. I should probably take off this amulet. No, she she leaves it on. She, she yeah. does. <laughs> it's like, it's so, it's so absolutely clear that the amulet is the problem. Yeah. So it's like just just take it off. Just take off like yeah, it, just, this episode could have been done like 13 minutes earlier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean no giant octopus would have come, but still it just I don't know. It was one of those things where they just stretched it a little too far and it just super yeah. obvious. It's just the characters being super stupid. All right. Are we ready to talk about what we actually liked about these episodes? Was yeah. there anything that we actually liked about these episodes? Uh, I, I managed to dig some things up for <laughs> a couple of them. And I love being a turtle! All right. The Irish jig is up. I thought it was, I don't know. I don't know if I thought it was, I didn't know where to put it, but the baby voice for Rocksteady is just Leo's baby voice because Cam oh, Clark absolutely. was just doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, spoiler alert from what I was saying earlier. Uh, I actually think Hal Rail and Jim Cummings did a great job <laughs> as their backups now. Like, I think Hal Rail has definitely kind of found the, his version of Raph um, in these episodes. Uh, he, he he's not he's not Rob Paulson, but he's like he's definitely like it's not bad. Um, and. I think Jim Cummings as Shredder has definitely kind of hit a fun stride here. Um, and there were some times where like, he legitimately did sound like James Avery. Fair enough. Yeah, no. And I mean, for me, I've gotten used to the new voice for Raphael. Like mm. now that we're at nine episodes of it in. So I didn't even notice really today until I was like half through the episode and I was like, wait a minute, did Rob Paulson come back? And I waited for Raphael to speak again and I was like, oh no, he didn't. <laughs> that's definitely so the other used guy. to it. Yeah, that's definitely not him. Definitely not him. Um, there's like weirdly several things in this episode that happen in Futurama. There's a line where someone says, All right, but I won't like it, which I'm I'm almost positive is from Futurama. Then there's uh, a line about having vegetarian lions, which is a joke on Futurama. And then there's purple tentacles coming from a hole in the sky, which was the beast with a billion backs. I have no proof that John Fox worked on Futurama, but methinks maybe. The shreds, you say. The shreds, you say. And how's his wife doing? Two shreds, you say. Oh. And then my my last love was Splinter's outfit when they're trying to disguise themselves. He looks exactly like a rat version of Gandalf, and it's yeah. adorable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think Keith is slowly trying to turn this into a Futurama podcast. You're, You're right. Futurama. Right. No, and I would be okay with that. So, <laughs> Futurama Rama, the Futurama podcast. That's that has to be one already. Uh, let me see. I'm going to just Google Futurama. Podcast. All right. So while you do that, uh, let's move on to Shredder's new sword. Um, 
this this was this was genuinely a fun episode. I love this episode. It's real. It's it's a lot more wacky and fun than it has any right to be for being an episode of eighty seven. Um, Rama is a podcast. I knew there it. Uh, I really liked the turtles' punk disguises. Those yeah, are amazing. Mine, like I liked those a lot, <laughs> and I there, really want action figures. Some of those. kind of punker with green faces. Yeah, it's makeup. just it's just funny looking. It's just fun, and like, you know. well, I like that. Like one of them's got like the anarchy symbol. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, and it's like, punk is from England, so it don't make sense. That they yeah, like it makes sense. Dress up as punks, and yeah, they're just fun. I I don't know. I like it. I really like this episode, like in a way that surprised me. I love like, like the backgrounds in this episode are amazing. The like big castle up on the cliff, and uh, like when they're what in the museum at night, it's it looks really cool. And then yeah, the punk rocker outfits. Shredder's actually like competent and almost kills the turtles in this episode. They veer, you know, even though it's stupid in the beginning when they're like, "We need this metal for the Technodrome," but like that doesn't guide the whole episode. Shredder's just like, "Okay, I'm just gonna." Seize power for myself. Like I, yeah, I really like this episode in a way that I haven't liked these like goofy episodes in England yet. Yeah, well, like this, this episode is like kind of like around the so bad it's good territory. Like it's just so <laughs> like random and crazy with all of the stuff it pulls. It's kind of like a camp almost thing going on. Yeah, that does make it fun to watch. Uh. Like uh, the way Leo chucks his katana at the car tires when when Shredder and Beop and Rock City are driving off in the car, like running away, and he just like just the way he chucks them, like he he pulls back his like arms and just like throws both of his katana, and they go who knows how far, yeah. and then <laughs> puncture the back tires of the car that they're trying to get away in, you know, and the turtles show up and start fighting him. It just looks so funny the way it happens that. I don't know I loved it. I thought it was really funny. It was funny. All right, are we ready for the last episode? I don't have a lot for this, but I do love when Vernon and April, or sorry, Vernon and Irma, they're tied up about to get sacrificed for for who knows what reason. So <laughs> Vernon says, "Wait, take her. Let me be free. I have so much more to live for." So funny. And yeah. I, I like I like uh, Vernon's report at the end when he's like Ace Reporter and his lovely assistant, and it's like. Is he talking about? Is he talking about Irma? Maybe. Is there, is there a little, uh, little steamy going on there? Let us uh, know, but, shippers. But then he also, um, Irma's got that line back to him uh, when she's like, "You're just a news director." <laughs> yeah. She's like, "You're not even a reporter." <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is like the first like real confirmation we have of like his job, because <laughs> yeah. like. Because I mean, it's so weird because like he's the news director, so like that's a pretty big position. If I've watched HBO's The Newsroom enough times to know, the news director is a pretty important position. It's not the anchor, but it's like the number two person. Yeah, I feel like having the name director like usually entails importance. And it's like April is a April's a reporter, but she's not like. She's not like a, you know, like a face, like, you know, like a cable news type personality. Like she's just a, she's just a beat reporter. She's not a, uh, I can't even think of the word, um, 
she's she's not a personality on the news network. So it's just it's like Vernon technically does outrank her. So he like he just wants a lower position because he wants to be on TV. It sounds like. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know the uh, politics of the news industry, but that's that is what it would appear to be. <laughs> uh for me, the biggest thing out of this one is that even if the Atlanteans' motivations of everything they do aren't very clear, Shredder's finally is, you know, because before we're just like, why are they taking over Ireland? You know, and everything with, yeah. like, the sword. But in this one, it's straight up just like, go get this amulet because it has enough power. Well, they don't know it's an amulet, but still. Go get this thing. It's got enough energy in it to power the Technodrome. Shredder goes. He tries to get it. It breaks. He leaves. It's like the Shredder crying plot was solid. It made yeah. sense the whole way. It, you know, it worked. And so I was, I was happy about that. I was like, finally, I'm not kind of scratching my head at what exactly the goal was for this story. <laughs> all right. And I think that's it for all these episodes. So it's, uh, yeah, I guess, like I said, three, three, definitely episodes, but, uh, better, better than they could have been. Yeah. No, for me, that's been like the hardest part of summarizing these episodes is when I have to write like why Shredder and Krang are trying to do what they do. And I realize I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like sometimes I just don't know. So And I just don't know. I'm like, they're going to get it. And I just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't understand why Shredder and Krang aren't attacking New York this entire time. It, it feels like that's something they should be doing instead. Right. Well, well, yeah. While the turtles are gone in in Europe, I actually that was something I forgot to put in my list of anchovies earlier. Is that yeah, like you know, thirteen episodes of this where like Shredder and Krang instead of attacking New York like normal happen to just always be attacking and trying to invade wherever the turtles happen to be in Europe. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> a little. Ridiculous. It's like and it's like they know where they are, so it's like just go somewhere else. Yeah. That's what I've been saying about, like, why are they attacking New York the entire time? Go attack London. And now the Turtles are in London, and they're attacking London. <laughs> Maybe Shredder and Krang just can't catch a break, you know? <laughs> the Sisyphusian. They don't even know they're, that they're their own worst enemy. <laughs> yeah. All right, Keith, take us into the news. This is April O'Neil of Channel 6. All right. Spencer, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first here. So a little while back, we reported on some manhole covers that are going to be put in Northampton. And before that, we talked about one that was going to be put in Dover. And I got all of my wires crossed and mixed up there. Those are actually two different projects that are happening. So Dover is the birthplace of Ninja Turtles. They're wanting, someone right now is trying to fund putting a, a marker at the property where the Ninja Turtles were created. It'll be put in the sidewalk, but as a manhole cover to commemorate the Ninja Turtles birthplace. Hmm. Now, Northampton is where Mirage Studios was planted and where the Turtles moved for quite some time during volume one of the Ninja Turtles for the whole guest era. They were there and anyway. They, they spent a lot of time there during that series. So that's the other place they're going to be putting manhole covers. That one's for sure happening. To make the one happen in Dover, it needs to be funded. Kevin Eastman has also shared the link to it, uh, to the articles talking about it. 
so I'm pretty sure it's legit. So I we shared the the link to this guy's thing. So right now they're raising funds to be able to put a manhole marker where the Ninja Turtles were created in Dover. Hmm. I hope it happens. Yeah. All right. And in toy news, uh, we are in the merry month of April, uh, which means NECA is going to be doing their month of April reveals the April takeover as they call it for the past couple of years. Um, not hosted by Judith Oak this time, uh, but they have uh, teased that they're going to be doing uh, reveals for different Aprils for the, uh, the different toy lines through uh, throughout the month. So this Tuesday, uh, they revealed a brand new Mirage April sketch by Kevin Eastman, uh, specifically patterned after what she looked like in issue four of the book. Um, as kind of a hint that we're getting a new April in the Mirage toy line from NECA. So pretty excited about that, actually. Um, I really like this sketch uh, by Kevin, too. Um, it's nice to see like a modernized version of this era of April. Uh, I guess because I'm, I'm so used to like Jim Lawson drawing her for how much we read of it. So it's nice to see like Kevin doing that again. Yeah, Jim Lawson, especially after volume one, kind of becomes like the Ninja Turtle artist for a while. Yeah, like, you, you know, him and him and Peter, you know, do their own thing for so long. So it's like it's it's nice to see Kevin kind of going back to this Mirage style. Um, so I'm really excited about that. I really hope uh, we get to see that soon. Um, so as we record this, when this episode drops n- on next Tuesday, um, hopefully there will be a new reveal like we we we're kind of thinking about it. Jason and I on turtle recall, we were thinking about like what other Aprils could it be? Like, you know, could it be uh grandma April from the last Ronin? Um, I, they're most likely going to show the brand new, like April ultimate figure for the tune line. And then I was even like, maybe we'll get page Turco April from, for the secret of the use toy line. Like, you know, it, there, there's a couple different options for them. So, um, really kind of interesting, kind of interested to see where they go with this. Um, it would, in, it would have to be a different sculpt, right? Cause she's wearing like a jacket, not the, well, yeah, this would yeah. be a brand new sculpt. Like they, they, uh, NECA has made it clear that they're not going to go back to those original designs. Um, the only one that they've kind of gone back to was shredder. Um, but that was that was a later figure. I think I feel like they've redesigned that. Uh, but like the specific 2008 Turtles and then April was in 2009. Um, NECA's kind of said they're not going to go back to those designs, which is kind of annoying because like I almost bought that April so many times. Like she was so cheap on the aftermarket for a long time. And I just I just wound up never buying it because like I didn't I didn't love NECA figures at the time. Like. I mean, I still don't love NECA figures but like they their articulation was like kind of a mess and they were still trying to figure out what they how they wanted to do everything so like I could have picked her up she was a San Diego uh, Comic Con exclusive and I just passed now I kind of regret it that's too bad bummer so next up on the uh, toy news beat the toy book, which a couple of weeks ago did that exclusive reveal for those IDW looking turtles uh, on motorcycles, got an exclusive reveal um, uh, from 
got an exclusive reveal from the loyal subjects announcing that they're going to be expanding the toy line uh to do some comic book based figures um the quote from jonathan kathy the ceo of the loyal subjects is it's unbelievable that tls is entering tmnt market this year with one of the most coveted looks and feels the new comic book look which has been driving the turtle fandom loyalists and faithful for more than a decade we're so psyched to have the opportunity to create and distribute these fantastic tmnt items for one of the greatest pop culture franchises a phenomenon that has won the hearts of pop culture fans the world over Big shout outs to Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, and Paramount for continuing the great content for dreaming up all of, uh, for dreaming this up for all fans like us and entertaining us for nearly 40 years. Um, so we uh, retweeted uh, the original article, which was originally posted by James Zahn um, of the toy book. Um, so just a neat little article there. There's an exclusive like picture of the four turtles in the Mateo Santoloco style, along with a shredder, um, specifically in his uh, Armageddon game look, I noticed. Um, well, it's kind of just been his look since Santoloco started drawing him, as far as I've always been able to well, tell. Well, the, the red cape and the red uh, sash, or the, the red cape is like a standard thing, but the red sash is kind of new um, for Armageddon been- game. No, it used to be like a it used to be like a dark blue. Oh, huh. Um, back when like but Dan around his, first around his waist. Yeah, around his waist. I think I since, think he's always had that. Hey, I'm maybe pulling maybe out. I'm pulling out the out. comic. I'm pulling out the comic. I think since Santa Luco draws him, he's always looked like. No, that. never mind. You're right. I think it was that's like a Dan Duncan design. No, you're right. It's Dan Duncan. All right, corrected me on air. That's fine. I don't care. Uh, but in the but basically, yeah. So these are all kind of like uh, Santa Luca designs, um, which is really big news because like these are our first like dedicated comic book lines. Uh, Jonathan uh, Kathy's quote doesn't mention IDW like by name, but the blurb right underneath that quote on the article says this year's uh, TMNT product assortment features a tsunami of new waves, including characters with looks inspired by the original cartoon series alongside designs ripped from the pages of IDW publishing's modern TMNT comics. Um, so like it, it specifically says these are IDW designs. Like there was some debates on like Reddit and stuff that were like, dudes are like, Oh, like it, it's not IDW. And it's like, they very specifically say the, current tmnt comics and idw so i don't know yeah. how hard you would have to squint at these for them to not look like the idw turtles well i mean, I mean there's yeah there's that but i mean there people go nuts over like idw like because they lost like transformers and, and gi joe last year and so everyone's like oh they lost hasbro even though they still have like dungeons and dragons which is hasbro um it's just yeah it's just a lot of like stuff um, but so the, they haven't announced how these figures are going to be released yet. Uh, we talked about the motorcycle figures a couple weeks ago. Um, those are going to be target and Walmart exclusives, um, in those specific packs. Uh, these four turtles and shredder have not been announced how they're going to be released. Um, but you can probably expect to pay about 20, 21 bucks, uh, for the single packs, uh, about 80 bucks for four packs, you know, it, it, it they're there. <laughs> Like it's, it's not hard to kind of figure out how these pricings are going to be. Um, my hope is that these are going to be widely available. Like I'm, 
I, I I've only picked up one best action uh figure, um, which B S T A X N is how you pronounce that. Um, okay. I've only I've only picked up one best action figure, and that's like the disguised Leonardo, and that's only because I haven't found the other three yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but like my stores don't seem to be carrying them very often. Like the other best action figures, like I've seen like. Spike Spiegel from Cowboy Bebop, and I saw like Full Metal Alchemist, like Ed and Al, and then a couple of the Last Airbender figures. But I saw those at like Box Lunch in the mall. Like I haven't seen them at my targets in the Walmart's, which is a yeah. little annoying. Um, but like I'm kind of hoping like these will be wide releases that I can like get them at GameStop or um, you know, Big Bad Toy Store or something like. I think it was saying that they should be at like Walmart and Target and things like that in in the article well, we shared. In the article, in the article, it says that the that the best action toy line is available at Amazon, Target, and Walmart. Um, okay. And special and specialty independents and hobby shops, like, and so that that covers everything. So I'm just saying, my stores don't seem to be getting getting yeah. that. No, I, I definitely need to start keeping my eye out because I do want to pick up a. A urban legends Casey Jones figure with that over the top America mask because I just I don't know I those like just, I mean that those went up for pre order on uh, Target uh, last week but apparently they got all everybody's orders got canceled I found out so really yeah so I'm not not sure if th- those are exactly ready to be purchased yet but I just thought that was interesting yeah no I these I'm actually starting to think about going in on some of these guys because they're doing figures of like. Stuff that I've that I want to see, but yeah, I don't, know, I don't really buy action figures. But at the same time, I I might start. You know, I don't know. I keep like I said, like I don't buy I don't buy the best action line, but I'm definitely considering. Like, if they're gonna do an IDW line, then absolutely. Yeah, no, it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna buy it. if Nick is gonna be like I'm all to do it, then I'm I'm gonna buy it from these guys. Like, I'm gonna yeah, buy exactly. But, like I don't even I don't even care if they're like five inch scale. Like that's fine for me. Yeah, it's like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna. Yeah, like I'm getting an IDW figure. Like I, like hopefully, hopefully, because I know Best Action does have some issues with scaling. So like a lot of the characters are kind of all the same height, which is the thing that Playmates does. I'm kind of hoping that they've heard the feedback and don't do that with these. Like I would love to have the turtles all be different heights and like Shredder actually be taller than them. It looks like in the pictures anyway, you know, I mean, well, we haven't seen them in person. Yeah. Like, rem- like yeah, like these are, there. well, these are CG renders and you can oh, see like the turtles are all spaced out differently. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic. I, I hope they've heard the feedback and I hope they do make those adjustments, but yeah, um, I, I would love that shredder figure. Yeah. Uh, we will definitely be letting everybody know when these are available. As soon as we hear something about it, um so stay tuned follow the socials and uh, yeah yeah no the more the more i can see of that idw design for shredder the better i freaking love it so yeah it's really good yeah i'm ready to scoop it up <laughs> all right well spencer what are we doing next week next week we're sticking with season seven because we're waiting for that issue number six of armageddon game the alliance to come out before we get back to comic books so that and I want to get back to comics so bad. <laughs> me too, but we're making great headway in the 87 series. So that's that's exciting stuff. Yeah, so episodes 10, 11, 12 will be Turtles on the Orient Express, 
April gets in Dutch and Northern Lights out. Riveting. Can't yeah. wait. It'll pretty much be the end of of the European season. We'll have one more episode that will be included with the first two of what's actually season seven. Sweet. Well, guys, thank you again for another week of listening to the Ninja Turtle Power. We really appreciate it. Let us know somewhere on the internet what you thought of the episode. Uh, if we missed anything in these episodes, if you notice something, if you're a person in Ireland who plays Catch the Hat, like let us know if that was actually a thing. Uh, Ninja Turtle Power Hour, Ninja Turtle PH on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So that's our show this week. Thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, cowabunga, dudes. Cowabunga. I hate it when we don't have time to think of a clever exit line. I'm going to do my best to not touch anything on my desk tonight because okay. Jason, t- Jason told me that you complained to him that I touched stuff. I did. <laughs> oh, I mean, I said that I said that I don't think I complained. I know. I I'm, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Okay. Yeah. He, he told, he, t- I told him cause I recorded Usually when I do his show, like I, I record on my AirPods in the living, in the bedroom. Uh-huh. But lately I did, I've been doing it in the living room. Um, like we do here. And where I have everything on my desk and I touch stuff because I fidget. Uh, yeah. And so he's like, he's like, yeah, Spencer told me. And I was like, Ugh. <laughs> no, it wasn't a complaint. I can't remember how it came yeah, out. I'm just teasing you. So it's, it's fine. But I am going to, I am conscious of it. I try not to touch anything. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I touch and mess with stuff too. You're good. <laughs>